I want to invite you this morning to join with me and turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to go into the word this morning. 1 Kings chapter 19. For the sake of time, I'm really only going to focus on one verse, and that's verse 9, but I will get to that in just a moment. We are on the last week of a series we started several weeks ago. I still see some hands in the back for communion. If you can, just keep your hand up in the air and they will serve you. Um, we are in the last week of a series we started um, earlier this month uh, called Breaking Point, in which we were looking at the stories of four characters from the Bible. And of course, these are not the only characters who went through these kind of experiences. But we chose to focus on these four characters, Peter, uh, we focused on um, Mary and Martha, we focused on Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, and then we're going to be focusing on yet another character from the scriptures today. And the goal with this series was to identify um, the, the, the principle that, uh, you know, that the scripture emphasizes to us, that in times of despair, in times of struggle, in times of failure, in times of disappointment, when we find ourselves in a situation that we feel overwhelmed or powerless to do something about, that God invites us to turn to Him and to call on His name and to be confident that when we do so, when we bring our struggles to Him, that He will give us the ability to overcome those struggles. He gives us the grace and the strength to walk through those seasons of difficulty in our lives and to bring us to the other side of them. And that we can be confident that no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in, that God is always working for our good. And He's working to accomplish His purpose and plan in our lives. And so if you've missed any one of the messages from the last several weeks, I would encourage you uh, to go back and listen to our podcast. We have a sermon podcast where all of our past messages are, are, are stored. Um, you can scan the QR code that's in the back of the worship guide. It will take you right to our podcast and you can be able to catch up on the messages we've covered over the last several weeks. But like I said, today we're going to conclude this message by focusing on the story of Elijah. Now, I'm sure you would agree with me this morning that every life is touched by despair. Every one of us have had one time, multiple times, where we found ourselves in a situation or a struggle that we felt powerless to do something about. We felt overwhelmed by it. Um, we were not sure if we were even going to come out of that situation or circumstance. We thought, you know, perhaps this is it. I mean, this is the one thing that's going to completely overwhelm me. And so there's a sense of helplessness that we feel, a struggle that we feel because we're going through despair. Despair comes by many ways. Sometimes it comes through failure. It comes through opposition. Sometimes the, um, despair comes through adversity or disappointment, rejection, even loss, grief. And every time despair comes, it has a paralyzing effect on us. Well, maybe not every time, but there are many times where we can think back to just feeling like we just, we just couldn't do anything. We, we couldn't move figuratively and sometimes even physically. Psychologists suggest that when people experience something daunting, something that seems impossible, that leaves them feeling helpless and powerless to resolve, that they tend to experience one of several or more of several different emotions or reactions. And I want to share with you a few and this is by no means an exhaustive list, uh, but these are some experiences that, that, that are noted whenever people find themselves facing a daunting circumstance. Uh, many people talk about feeling weighed down, this feeling of heaviness. Sometimes it almost feels physical, like something is sitting right on your chest. Some people talk about, oh, they, they, they are so overwhelmed by what's happening that they can even hardly breathe. They're just overwhelmed by, this, by, by the sense of what they're dealing with. Some will say that they feel exhaustion, it doesn't matter how many hours they sleep, they, they feel just tired, they're just weighed down, they're burdened. 
And as a result, what tends to happen with a lot of people is that the simplest of tasks become very difficult. Mundane tasks become very difficult. Why? Because we lack the will, we lack the drive, we lack the motivation to act. And so because we struggle to act, we struggle to find motivation to respond to what we're facing, what typically happens is that some will choose the route of living in complete denial. Pretend that my situation is not real, it doesn't exist, in hopes that somehow they can move past it. Some will go so far as to isolate themselves from social interactions with other people. And then there are others who, worse still, will bury themselves in sometimes unproductive and even destructive behavior. Why? Because what they're trying to do is to cope. They're trying to find a way to get past this despair that they feel, this sense of helplessness, this sense of powerlessness to do anything about the situation they find themselves in. And what often happens with people is this, that a lot of valuable time, a lot of wasted time has gone by before they then realize that the responses that they've, that they've employed um, have not been productive and that even in some cases in the passage of time that the situation has actually gotten worse. So maybe this is your experience. Maybe you've gone through this yourself or you know someone who's gone through this or maybe you're even going through this right now. What I want to leave with you this morning is good news. Good news that says that even though you and I may feel at times in our lives that no one can understand how we feel, no one can understand the struggle we're going through, no one can fully recognize or appreciate the despair that we feel, God Almighty understands your struggle. God Almighty knows the struggle that you have and He is above all else able to minister to you so that in your situation, your struggle, what seems to be impossible God can use that, that which looks to be daunting, that which appears that you have no power to do anything about. God can use that as an opportunity to strengthen your faith and your dependence on Him. And this is the, this is the, the, the principle we find in the scripture we're about, to, we're about to look at today. In 1 Kings chapter, chapter 19, we come to the story of the prophet named Elijah. Elijah reached a, a, a breaking point moment in his life. Uh, an overwhelming experience that he had that oddly enough followed what would have been considered a spiritual high point not just for him but for the people of Israel in chapter 18 of 1st Kings the Bible tells us that the prophet Elijah had a showdown on Mount Carmel between himself representing Jehovah and 450 no-name prophets of an idol named Baal and the scripture tells us that the challenge or the duel between these two entities was was, was that each side would call on the name of their God and that their God would prove himself by causing fire to rain down from heaven to consume one of two altars that had been set up. And the Bible tells us that when Baal's 450 prophets cried out to their God, no surprise here, he didn't answer. But then when Elijah called on the name of the Lord, not only was God's response immediate, but God's response was emphatic so that when the people of Israel saw this, there was no doubt in their minds who is God and the Bible says that they cried out to God in, in repentance for their rebellion against him. And then subsequently those 450 prophets of Baal were executed. Now not long after this happened, this spiritual high moment, revival has broken forth in the nation of Israel. The scripture tells us that the queen Jezebel, the very person who introduced Baal worship into Israel, heard that her God had been humiliated and that her prophets had been executed. And so she sends a message to Elijah and she says to him essentially, what you have done to my prophets, by this time tomorrow you will be the same. Now you would have expected that a man of God who had just experienced this 
overwhelming, I mean, incredible display of God's power would have taken her words to be empty and meaningless. But what the Bible says Elijah did is respond with anything but courage and with boldness. And in verse 3, Scripture says Elijah heard this message. Elijah felt great fear. He didn't just say he felt fear. He felt great fear. And in that moment, he determined that the only appropriate response was to run. The same man who a chapter before had stood up to 450 prophets of a dead God and seeing God demonstrate his power in a miraculous way was running at the third of a queen. But what I'm grateful for this morning is that Elijah's story didn't end there. Because here's the thing, if Elijah's story had ended with him running, we would have looked at his life in hindsight and said he was a failure. He was a disappointment. He had an opportunity to stand up for God, to, to, be, to be bold and courageous for God, and he failed. But I'm grateful that Elijah's story didn't end there, that in fact it actually gets better. Because the Bible says that what happened then is that God, even though God, if he wanted to, I, you know, I, I can't question God, I can't challenge God for whatever he decides to do. God could have had every reason to say, Elijah, you're a coward. Elijah, you're a traitor. Elijah, you're not useful to me anymore. I counted on you and you let me down. God didn't respond that way to his, to his servant. But, but before I even go forward, there's a thought that just hit me. Think about what Elijah did. Elijah in that moment, again, he felt like the only appropriate response was to what? Run. Now, if you were to ask Elijah in that moment, when you felt great fear, why you chose to run, Elijah would tell us, that's, that's just what felt, it felt right. It felt right for him to run. And what it points to is the fact that many times when we face adversity or we face daunting circumstances, we make decisions in the moment that in the moment it makes sense. It's only in hindsight we look back and we think to ourselves, why did I do that? You know, if I had to do it again, I would do it different. I would make a different choice. I would take a different route. I would have a different approach. So we're not going to fault Elijah for what he did because the reality is, is we all do the same. When we find ourselves confronted with a situation that we feel powerless to do anything about, we, we by instinct, we act, and in our, in our minds, what we are doing just makes sense, even if it makes sense to nobody else. But again, Scripture says that God's response wasn't to turn his prophet away or to discount him as useless or no longer useful to his cause. But the Bible says that God ministered to his servant. How? By caring for his physical needs. On two occasions, the Scripture tells us that what God did was he provided Elijah food in the middle of the desert. Had ravens bring food for Elijah. That could, that could only be God. And the scripture says that Elijah got enough strength and nourishment from the food that he ate that he was able to then take a 40-day and 40-night trek. He was able to travel 40 days and 40 nights through the wilderness to a place called Mount Horeb where I believe it was at this place that God brought Elijah to so that God could resolve once and for all the despair that was raging in Elijah's heart. Verse 9 of 1 Kings chapter 19 says this, the moment Elijah arrived to Mount Horeb, Scripture says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah and God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you here, Elijah? Now, the reason I believe that, that, that God asked this question isn't because God was wondering what Elijah was doing at Horeb. God was asking, Elijah, why are you at Horeb? Why are you here? If anything, we can rephrase that question to, to say God is asking Elijah, Elijah, what are you looking for? Because when we experience despair, 
Psychologists believe that despair tends to set in when there is something that is crucial, something that we find a sense of security, safety, stability in, that is somehow missing. And we're looking for something to give us a sense of security, a sense of safety, a sense of stability. And so we look to things, and we look to people, and sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, people will look to destructive behavior and choices. Why? Because they're trying to quiet the noise that is within their hearts. They're looking for something. So when Elijah came to Horeb, God asked him, why are you here? What are you looking for? What has brought you to this place? And it was important for Elijah to understand that the reason why he came was because the thing he was missing was his faith and focus on God. Why do I say that? Because it was, it was his faith and focus on God that helped him to stand up to 450 prophets. Everything that Elijah ever did throughout his ministry on earth, he did not because he was this great guy, talented guy, skillful guy, charismatic guy. Everything Elijah did, he did by the power of the Spirit of God. And in that moment when he was confronted with a, a wicked queen's threats, he lost sight of God's faithfulness, he lost sight of God's strength and power, and he focused on his circumstance, and he thought to himself, the only thing I can do in this situation is to run. But thank God that God will engage his servant. Again, didn't discount his servant, didn't cast his servant aside, but God ministered to his servant. But again, God addressed a need in Elijah's life. And what did Elijah, lead? did Elijah need? Elijah needed two things. He needed the strength to endure, and he needed a renewed sense of purpose. In the same way, when you and I face a situation that we feel powerless to do anything about, we feel helpless or hopeless to do anything about, where, where it's easy for us to take on the, the attitude that, well, whatever will be, will be, God says it is in that moment that what we are to do is to come to Him and find in Him the strength we need to endure what's happening to us and the, a renewed sense of purpose to continue the work He has called us to do. If there's one thing that I hope you will take away from today's message, I pray it's this. That it is never too late, no matter what you're going through. Even now, you may be going through something that is difficult and that is daunting. And you may feel like people won't understand what you're going through. They may never understand what you're dealing with. Understand this morning that God knows. He understands your struggle. He understands your hurt. He understands the pain you feel. And He wants you to, to cast your cares and burdens on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He loves you. He desires to meet you in your place and point of need. It is not too late, friend, to choose today, even now, the route of trusting God. Why? Because when you do so, God will give you the strength you need to endure and He will give you a renewed sense of purpose. And this is what Elijah discovered. And so in these next few minutes, I want to share with you three things that I believe with all my heart. That if you and I would choose, not only if we're going through a daunting situation now, but when we find ourselves in a daunting situation tomorrow, I'm not going to sit here and promise to you that you will never have a struggle or an issue in your life because you're in Christ. No, Jesus said, Jesus said, in this world we will have trouble. He says we will have trouble in this world. Why? Because this world is broken. This world is broken by sin. We see the scars. We see the, the marks of sin all over our world. You listen to the news. You see evidence that we are we're in a sinful world. You look in your own life and my life. We see that there is sin in this world. We are broken people. And we live in a broken world. The nature, human nature is broken. But I am so grateful this morning that the God who invites us into relationship with himself says we can bring ourselves brokenness and all to him and he will give us what we cannot give ourselves he will provide for us what we cannot provide for ourselves and that because we look to him here's the first thing we must do 
every time we're confronted with adversity, first thing we must do is remember that we are never alone in our struggle. We are never alone. Elijah, when God asked him, why are you here? Elijah begins to vent, as it were. God, this is what's going on. Everything is wrong and nothing is going right. And people have turned against you. And then he uses this phrase, I alone am left. Elijah's in a pity party. And he's expecting God to come join him in that party. But you know this scripture says God was not interested. Because the reality was, even though Elijah thought he was alone, that nobody else could understand, or that nobody else was going through what he is going through, or could relate to what he is experiencing, God knew better. We know better. That we are never alone in our struggle. There is nothing new under the sun, friends. What you are experiencing right now may seem like it is unique to you. Like there is nobody else that's going through the same. Listen, there have been many who have gone through the same. And there will be many who will go through the same. There is nothing new under the sun. But to think that somehow in our minds that, 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 that we are alone in our struggle, it is not true. But that's what despair does to us. Despair makes us feel like nobody understands. Nobody knows the trouble I've been. <laughs> Everybody experiences despair. Everybody experiences despair. Psalm 23 verse 4. I want you to hear what the psalmist says. And I'm going to focus specifically on this one verse. We all know this scripture. We recite it over and over. But I want to focus on verse 4. The psalmist says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you hear that phrase, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, typically we think in terms of a person who is maybe in the final stages of their life. Or we think of people who've experienced the loss of a loved one, someone close, near and dear to their hearts. And, and, and I'm not suggesting that it's not those things, but I, but I believe that it, it's so much broader than just those specific experiences. Because when you look at the Hebrew word from which we get the phrase shadow of death, that word is samawet. And samawet is related to eyes that are heavy with weeping, with distress, with gloom. So what the psalmist is saying is that in a general sense, there is a gloom and there is a sense of doom that we often associate with daunting, difficult, and seemingly impossible circumstances. But he writes this, that he's able to walk through those seasons of doom and gloom, and he's able to come through to the other side of them. Why? Because he's confident that God is with him. Now when evil confronts him, and evil suggests that there's nothing he can do, and that he's going to be overwhelmed by the circumstance that confronts him, that he is confident that because God is with him, there is nothing that evil can do to him. That no matter how daunting the situation may be, God will be with him because God will see him through. Remember when I was a kid growing up, and I may have shared this story before, my mom would have me go to the back of the house to go get washcloths. And you know, if she did that during the day, it's no problem. It was a problem when she did it at night because there was no light in the back. And so I would literally stand at the door and I'm scanning the darkness, trying to figure out what could be out there. And this vivid imagination of mine was imagining all kinds of creatures, all kinds of, all kinds of monsters that I expected were just waiting for me to step out into the dark and get me. And I would literally stand at the door. My mom would be like, where, where, where are my wash rags? I'm like, I'm coming, mom, I'm coming. And I didn't want to admit to my mom that I was afraid. I was afraid. 
But as a kid growing up, there was something about the dark that used to scare me so much. But can I tell you that, that, that as, a, as a child, one of the things that gave me great assurance, great comfort, was when I had to go places with my father. And it didn't matter how dark a circumstance was or how dark a situation was, as long as you were standing right there, I was fine. If anything, if anything was going to happen, I was just going to hide behind him, right? Because he was there. My sense of safety, my sense of stability, comfort, security was the fact that he was there. In a greater sense, the Bible says that Psalmist is saying that God, our Heavenly Father, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who has no equal, he walks with us. So when we go through those gloomy and doomy situations in our lives that we can't fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. His rod and his staff. The rod represents a tool for direction. The staff represent, represents authority. That we have God backing us up. God leading us. And God working, his, working out his will in our lives to bring comfort to us. So the confidence that you and I have as those who have put our trust in the Lord is this. That no matter what is happening to us, no matter what may happen around us, we can walk with confidence. Not arrogance. There's a difference. We can be confident, friends, that we will not be destroyed by the circumstance we are going through. Why? Because God is with us. That is the promise he has made to us. And so in the same way that God reminded Elijah that there were 7,000 who had not yet bowed the knee to Baal. Remember, Elijah was saying, God, I'm the only one that's left. Everybody has turned against you. God said, there are 7,000 that I have raised who have not bowed the knee. It was important for Elijah to hear that he was not alone. And in the same way, it's important for you and I to know that not only is our Heavenly Father with us, but look around you. He has, he has made us a part of a family that's bigger than our individual selves. Where we find encouragement, support, and, and strength, a, a shoulder to lean on, someone to pray with us, to encourage us, to stand with us. Sometimes they may not have the answers that I need, but their presence makes a difference because their presence is to, the, 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 the goal of their presence is to provide comfort. God's desire is for us to re recognize this morning that we're not alone in our struggles, that He is with us, and that He surrounds us with His peace and with His comfort. Here's the second thing we need to do. We need to choose to occupy ourselves with Him rather than with our struggle. Again, God asks Elijah, why are you here? Elijah begins to lament to God about all the things that are going wrong. And then notice what happens in verse 11. Bible says, God says to Elijah, go out and I want you to stand in the mountain of, before the Lord. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now, the Bible says that when Elijah did this, three things happened. First of all, scripture says that there was this powerful, destructive wind that blew by. Following that wind, there was a violent earthquake. Following that violent earthquake, there was this raging fire. And you would have thought... I suspect Elijah probably thought that God was in the midst of these powerful displays. But he quickly discovered that God was not in any of them. Instead, God revealed himself to Elijah in a way that he likely was not expecting. Scripture says, Elijah heard a gentle whisper. Some scriptures, some translations use the phrase, he heard a gentle, or he felt a gentle breeze. But regardless of whether it was a breeze or whether it was a whisper, what we do know is that when the prophet heard it, Scripture says he recognized that God was in it because he wrapped his face and then he stepped out in the middle of that. What did Elijah discover? That in, the, in, in a season of, of despair, a struggle, where he felt hopeless and helpless to do anything about the situation he was in, what he needed 
wasn't for God to make sense of what was happening, wasn't for God to just simply undo everything that was wrong in his life. What he understood that he needed was for him to be totally immersed in the presence of God. Elijah needed God. He didn't need answers. He didn't need a solution. He needed God. He needed the presence of God and he needed to be immersed, mind, body, and spirit, in the presence of God. In Philippians chapter 4, the apostle is encouraging believers that when times of adversity happen to us, where it would be easy for us to get wrapped up in our situation. Woe is me. Look at what I'm going through. Nobody understands. And how will I ever get out of this situation? And, and my life is over. That instead, we can choose to respond with this. In verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. He says we rejoice in the Lord. We find a reason to celebrate. Why? Because we have God. Right? And then in verse 5, he says, this is the reason why we rejoice in God. Because He is near. Remember that first point. We're not alone in our struggle. God is with us. Psalm is, uh, Paul, uh, Paul acknowledges that God is near. What Paul is talking about is presence. He's saying, I have the presence of God. And it is the presence of God that gives me strength. It is the presence of God that gives me peace. It is the presence of God that gives me joy. That even if the world around me is falling apart, <coughs> excuse me, that even if the world around me is, 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 is beside itself, that I, be, I can be confident that as long as I focus my thoughts on God, I fix my mind on Him. I fill my mind with the things that are true, honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. Thank you. And no, I'm worthy of praise that I am safe and secure. And there is absolutely one person, only one person who defines those characteristics, and that's God. That's God. He is the source of our peace. He is the source of our strength. When we find ourselves unable, he makes us able. And so when we're tempted to focus on the issue, focus on him. We are tempted to focus on the situation that you can't overcome, you can't get past, you feel powerless to do something about, focus on who? God. And when you do so, he will give you the strength you need. Here's the final thing. Baba says we must trust God for the strength to pursue his purpose for our lives. Verse 4, when Elijah first decided to run, very interesting. I don't blame the man in the sense that I don't know what I would have done if I were in his shoes. I can only imagine. But scripture says in verse 4, Elijah took a day's journey into the wilderness. And you have to imagine he'd been running for an entire day. He was tired. And he came to a place where he said, Enough, God. Take my life. Because I am no better than my father's. What Elijah was saying is, God, I am useless to you. You, God, who enabled me to stand up to 450 false prophets, I couldn't even stand up to one, one queen. God, you can't use me anymore. I'm no longer useful to you. I have no use. I, have, I serve no purpose in your kingdom. But I'm grateful that God didn't say, Elijah, you're right. I can only use people that are going to be faithful. No. God ministered to Elijah. Why? Because God knew that Elijah, what Elijah was missing wasn't, wasn't to be found within himself. What Elijah was missing could only be found in God. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want, you, I want to point your attention to verse 9. 
the Apostle Paul described a time in his life where he says there was something he could only describe as a thorn in his flesh. And he says he begged God three times to take this thorn out. And did God take that thorn out? No. Was it because God didn't care for Elijah? No. God had a greater purpose. And a greater lesson that he wanted to teach Elijah. And this is what God said to his servant in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, God is saying, you think that the answer to your situation is for me to remove that thorn. But what I want you to realize is that my grace is greater than that thorn. That even though there is a thorn in your flesh, that, that a greater testimony is that in spite of that thorn, that in your eyes disqualifies you from being useful in my hands. That in spite of that thorn, that it is my grace that supersedes the power of that thorn so that I can accomplish in you and through you what you think you could never accomplish because the thorn is here. God said, I don't have to take that thorn out. You rely on my grace. And when, 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 when the Apostle Paul heard these words, his response was this, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness. Not that he's suggesting that whatever the thorn in his flesh is, that he's celebrating that thorn. But what he's saying is that rather than ask God to remove that thorn, what I'd rather do is to say, God, show yourself to be strong and powerful beyond this thorn in my life. That in spite of my flaws, in spite of my imperfections, in spite of my struggles, in spite of the, the daunting situation that I feel powerless or helpless to do something about God, I am asking you to show yourself to be strong and mighty and to show that you are God in my life. That's what God wants to do in every single one of us. Every single one of us. And in spite of what we're struggling with, we're going through, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. When Elijah acknowledged his despair, God reminded him that his strength came from God and that he needed to look to God. But more importantly, God said to Elijah, I am not finished with you yet. Your purpose still stands. You have work to do. Brother and sister, until the day the Lord calls you home, his purpose for you is still in play. Do not allow circumstance or situation or struggle to cause you to think that because you struggle, you fail, you're imperfect, that somehow God cannot use you. In fact, the honest thing, I what I believe with all my heart and what I'm grateful for is this, that God can use imperfect people to, to accomplish incredible things. But it's not because we're doing it of ourselves. He is doing it through us. And so I don't know what you're struggling with today. God is not finished with you, friend. The enemy may make you feel like God cannot use you anymore. That is not true. Because God who called you has a purpose for you. He knows the things you're going to face. Even before they confront you, he knows that they're coming. The things he allows, he allows for a reason. So that you and I would look to him. Depend on Him, cling to Him, and find in Him what we need to do what He's created us to do. That's what the point of this series has been these last several weeks. That when we find ourselves at a breaking moment in our lives, that we don't throw in the towel, we don't give up, we don't run away. We run to God and we say, God, help me. And if you will do that today, He will help you. I want to invite every head bowed, every eyes to be closed. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. And Lord, my heart overflows with joy knowing that you are for us. 
knowing that no matter what we go through, you are with us. That, Lord, when we are at our wit's end, that we can, we can draw from your strength. And that, Father, even though we may feel like there's nothing we can offer you, that, God, you reveal to us, Lord, that there is so much more that you can do through us. I come to you this morning, Father, and, God, I thank you. I thank you for the story of Elijah. I thank you for the lesson we learned today about the importance of trusting you, bringing our struggles to you, being reminded that, Lord, you care deeply for us, and that there is nothing that we will ever go through that God is too hard for you to handle. I pray, Father, for everyone who is seated under the sound of my voice, that, Lord, whatever they may be going through right now, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how daunting it may seem, God, may they have hope today that because they are in you, they are not alone. They are not abandoned. God, you're with them. And that God, even in this circumstance, Father, you will bring them to the other side of it, Father, and your name will be glorified for it. And their lives will be blessed because of it. And God, if there's anyone that is here today who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray that God will make that decision today to embrace Jesus, to put their trust in him, to stop trying to live for themselves, to stop trying to, 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 to do right by themselves, but to realize that, Lord, in and of ourselves, there is nothing that we can do that is righteous, Lord. Every, everything we do that, that appears to be good from our perspective, Lord, is filthy rags compared to you, God. And, and, Lord, we thank you that, God, today what you are inviting us to do, Lord, isn't to present, Lord, our efforts as a way to earn your approval. But, Lord, you're asking us to surrender present our lives to you, ask you to come and have your way in us. Minister to the one today who needs to choose Jesus, help him to find freedom in knowing Christ, forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life, because we choose to follow the way, the truth, and the life that is called Jesus Christ. God, thank you this morning that, Lord, because we are in you, we are safe, we are secure. We are strengthened and we walk with purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.